Welcome to the XYZ Experiment Podcast. I'm Fiona, 53, and I'm Gen X. I'm Dash, I just turned 39, and I'm a millennial. I'm Amelia, I'm 27, straddling the confusing line between Gen Z and millennial. Just talking about social media, you know, what does it mean to you? Like, from my generation, I can talk about it. Well, it didn't exist. Literally didn't exist. You know, if we wanted to communicate to each other, we faxed each other. (laughs) We did. (laughs) I was completely romanced over a fax machine by my husband. So look at Amelia just smiling. Uh, it's true. So weird. I've kept all of them. I've kept all the all the emails. I mean, uh, not emails, um, faxes. Yeah, it's crazy. I've got a whole book of them all glued in. They used to say at work that with the fax machine, they always knew when it was a fax for me because there'd be steam coming off it. Let's chat about what is happening with Twitter and Facebook at the moment. I'm quite interested to know what your thoughts are you know, around what's happening. Full disclosure, what the hell is happening? I don't know. The only thing I know from like gathering through the feeds around me is I don't use Twitter. I don't really understand how Twitter works. I feel like I know Elon Musk has been kind of forced to buy Twitter because he was like, ha ha ha, what a joke, lol, I might buy it. And then they were like, no, legally now you have to at this specified amount. It was like 58 billion? 44 billion. 44 billion. So he's fired like a lot of the team. Half, and half the team. Ha- yeah, literally half the team. And now begging them to come back because he realized he can't oh, really? run it without them. I love it. And I love the story. To be honest, for my generation, <laughs> I feel like focusing in on Twitter and like what's happening would be quite interesting because we don't use Twitter. Like in my opinion, Twitter is for journalists and pretty much that it's like an echo chamber. <laughs> I'm interested to know what social media means to your generation. Uh, Me as a Generation X, uh, I didn't grow up with any social media at all. And what we used to do is we used to phone each other. I'd spend hours on the phone at night time. And I think we've talked about in a previous podcast with a a big long phone cord uh, hiding in your parents' bedroom around the corner or something like that. But we certainly couldn't tweet, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook each other at all. Uh, They say that Generation X is one of the greatest generations because we know the before and the afters and we've been able to embrace both. And I just wonder as millennials and coming into the Gen Z, what the social media means for you two. What does social media mean to you, Amelia? Well, you say that you feel like you were the last generation that got both, but I actually feel like we are the final generation that got the before and the after. Granted, we had the computer and the internet around. I distinctly remember a childhood where we didn't have iPads. The iPhone came out when I was in year seven and the iPad came out around when I was in year nine. So I didn't grow up with a childhood where I was tapping away, transfixed on my little iPad system. I remember going out and playing in the sandpit and I remember having to use your imagination. But from a social capacity, my generation We had MSN chat. We were sort of of age as the genesis of social media came up. So MSN was the first chat space. And then when I got into high school, you then had things like MySpace and you had Bebo. And I remember like on an after school, you'd get home, for example, MSN, and you'd all log on to the chat room and everyone would be chatting away. And when I look back at it, it was bizarre because you would just sit there for like three hours at nighttime while you were doing your homework in inverted commas, just chatting away to each other about, oh my God, did you hear? 
such and such happened on the weekend. See, we but never yeah. had that. We never had that opportunity to be able to have that sort of chat group or anything like that at all. I mean, this is how old we are, Amelia. When I was studying, computers basically almost didn't exist. And I remember when I was at dental school and my mother's, my mum owned a real estate agency and um, she got a, a typewriter that auto-corrected and I remember going into uni and going, oh my God, my mother's got this typewriter that auto-corrects the spelling. I'm going to use it <laughs> for one of my assignments and it was like, oh my God, that's amazing, you know. This like is that's, wild. It's, it was wild. Like I think back and think, oh my God, like we didn't have any access to that sort of stuff mm. at all. Like it just, I can't even imagine doing my homework and then like texting or, or, or having chats with my friends at the same time. How, yes. about, how about for you, Dash? What was it like for you? Well, I remember, um, I mean, primary school, we'd have a computer at the back of the room, but um, I don't think it was, there was no internet. I don't, definitely not. Um, but then I remember with high school and having computer classes and that must've been MSN chat that we were like in computer classes and chatting to people around the world. <laughs> and we had the, dumbest names for ourselves like we were trying to be like cool and sexy and I was like oh cringe totally cringe I think I was riffing off like Duchess somewhere was in my like little name um so lame when I think back on it but then MySpace I never had a MySpace account Mm. and I do remember so I got Facebook probably in 2007 and I feel like that was a bit of a late adopter. I remember my friend coming over. We'd been, I, Scott and I had just gotten married and I remember she came over and she's like, oh, are you on Facebook? And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? And she helped me set up my account. And then I was like, this is so weird. And like just stalking different people and being like, <laughs> who's on here and what are they up to? But every time something new has happened, like Instagram, it always takes me a little while before I jump on and set up an account. Like I still don't have a TikTok account. I do use Twitter a fair bit, um, but that's also it's work related. So Mm -hmm. for me, a lot of academics and researchers and science conversations happen on Twitter. And um, yes, journalists and, but I, there are people that I know on Twitter virtually follow their work, do all sorts of um, networking that I haven't ever met in real life. Yeah, I think it's kind of cool. And I do think Twitter can be very trolling and very, I feel of all the platforms, it could be the one that could be the worst for your mental health because people will go after you. Like Mm. they really will attack what you say and, you know, what you do and all of that kind of stuff. And so my experience of Twitter, I guess, because I use it in an academic sense is uh, one of the reasons I like it is you can do micro blogs and threads and I'm sure you can do that on Instagram, but you can, you know, if I've published a paper, I can do a, a thread about the paper and kind of talk mm. people through it um, and just observations about things that might be happening in the research world. Um, but I remember there was an art to trying to get your message across in 140 characters. Mm, it's like it's a haiku. Like, <laughs> yes, a little bit. And not having it necessarily a visual space like they did play with stories for a little while but it's not about what you look like or you know posting photos of that type of stuff which I do love and I do that on Instagram but Twitter isn't that space for me yeah it's interesting what we gravitate towards I feel like like with Twitter I've sort of missed that boat I've I've never 
been on Twitter and uh, never sort of interacted with it or used it in any way. It's just interesting hearing you talk about it, Dash, about um, how you're using it. And, and like I was talking to a journalist the other day, you know, relevant stuff with Elon Musk buying Twitter recently. He, he was sort of bemoaning that because he was saying to me, I use Twitter all the time to get information. And he yeah. was worried about how that information will flow now and if it will be verified and if it will be real and if you'll be able to report on what he reads and things like that, which I thought was really fascinating because going back to Elon Musk buying Twitter, it seems like some people are really disappointed by that (laughs) Mm. and some people are celebrating it and he just seems to be such a person of um, such diverse opinions between people you know, about him buying it. I'm finding it fascinating at the moment watching it happen, you know, like firing half the the workforce and then now saying they have to rehire some of the workforce and this verification tick, which is really, I, I, it is giving me joy every day to read about it. Like this morning I read. It's only $8. You have to pay scammers like $1,000 to get one on Instagram. Someone bought um, Pepsi's blue tick it's terrible and it's crazy and it's just like so that now they've stopped you can't buy a blue tick at the moment they stopped that today because it's got out of control and a usual twitter user Mm. you could see that that would happen yeah and so Mm. one of the things that i find fascinating about elon musk's decisions around this is it's almost like he didn't understand the platform and how it operated and all of a sudden was putting in these things and then was like, oh God, it's backfired. Yeah, You could a hundred percent see. And like one of the things that happened is the company that um, manufactures insulin got bought out as a blue tick and then they said insulin is free and then their stocks dropped, right? Oh, so there's like ramifications wow, that's yeah, proper. that are massive and you just sit there and think, this isn't something you play with. And I guess the other thing, I heard that um, Elon Musk was kind of like, oh, I want this to be a platform of debate and almost like a town hall situation, Mm -hmm. right? Except when you go to a town hall, and a friend was telling me this, this isn't my original concept or idea or um, um, situation, but was talking about when you go to a town hall, you know the people, you can see the people, you can... um, you're there for a reason, whereas in Twitter is so anonymized and mm. you can have multiple accounts and you can do whatever. It's not an actual town hall. You're, it's not a system to create that kind of discussion. Are we going to see the death of Twitter? I mean, we saw the death of MySpace. Is this, is this the death now for Twitter? I really wonder. I really wonder if someone will create something that's similar to Twitter and that will just take over well, a lot of the academics are now going over to another platform. So everyone's now apparently going to Mastodon. That's been set up as the alternative to um, people going over. Um, but it's, I, I don't know whether that's just for the academics. Question around the blue tick situation, though, because it's sort of a bit like brokering.coms. If you purchase a blue tick, say, for example, for Coke, can you then resell that on to that company at a markup? Because oh, that would breed in a new industry in terms of... Like and that's what sit happened. on websites and things like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. And you can make a lot of money out of that as yeah. well. So I wonder if people have bought up a lot of the common um, blue ticks in the thought of potentially having that opportunity. Maybe. 
in terms of your uh, social media usage, what platforms do you use and how do you use them on like a regular basis? I'm a downloader mostly, and I think that's pretty indicative of Gen X's. And um, so uh, TikTok, I would look at TikTok every day. So in the morning and at night. And if I upload, it will be to Instagram, but very little. I just, I've got three different accounts, but I don't do much anymore at all. No Facebook, no Twitter, no nothing else. Yeah. I have Facebook. It's so interesting because I used to love Facebook. Loved, loved, loved it. But then now I feel like it's just there to communicate with family, to mm. be honest, or like, you know, my family, friends or whatnot. I'm on Instagram quite a bit and I would post quite a bit. I post to stories probably more than I actually do post posts. And then I'm on Twitter daily. Mm. Um, I often will have my Twitter feed actually up during a working day. So here's a, here's a question for you, though. When you're on these apps... Are you just singularly on these apps or are you watching TV? Are you working? Are you doing other things at the same time? Because I find a lot that I'm on an app, but I'm doing something else at the same time. Mm. So we started watching the new season of The Crown and I was on Instagram taking yeah. lots of photos of the dog because she was like running around playing with all of her toys and I was Aww. posting them up to Instagram. So yeah, I kind of do a bit of both, um, which is one of the reasons I hate to admit this. This is such a stupid thing to say, but I will not watch movies or TV shows that require me to have subtitles because I can't then be on social media at the same time. Mm. So I, I say that exact same thing to my husband. Sometimes I'll say to him, I oh, can't do a subtitle I can't do a subtitle film tonight because I want to do this on my phone. Yeah, <laughs> and he Sudoku. thinks it's ridiculous. He thinks it's yeah. it, it really annoys him. He he because he does, he puts his phone down and he just watches. But I try to explain to him before I even had a mobile phone, because we've been married for, you know, almost thirty years, I used to have books and books and books of Sudoku. And I used to pick a book up and just do the Sudoku watching the TV at the same time, but handwriting it, you know. Mm. So I said to him, It's no different. Like it's absolutely no different to when I used to do it in a book to doing it on my phone now. It's just the convenience of it. But I've been doing it for thirty years, so he's attributing it to my phone, but it's actually not. Or I'd knit or I'd do needlework or like I, mm. I find that I find it really hard to just sit still and just watch a TV show. So I'm the same. I have to do something with my hands. That's why I love going to the movies so much because I have no choice. Um, but then I can really enjoy the film, particularly, Dash, if it's um, a subtitle film, I'll be more than happy to go see it in the cinema because then I'm just in it and I'm watching it and, and I'm not being diverted by anything else. Why do you think there's this insecurity around being open and honest about our screen time and how much we actually spend on social media apps? It's a good question. It's a really good question. And it's because I carry shame around wasting that much time. Is it wasting time? Well, that's the next thought I was going to say is that I get uh, like, I know you need to know TikTok well enough TikTok is definitely the um, social media app that's going to take over the world in the next sort of 12 months. It's got the best algorithm out of all of them. So it very quickly works out what you like to see. And for me, I've really curated it into a lot of news feeds and things like that and information. I don't, I don't get dancing or anything like that or, or things like that on my feed at all. So I feel like my feed is got so good now. Um, and I can't get over how much I learned. Like I learn so much stuff. It's insane. Like sometimes I'll say to my husband, oh, I learned that on TikTok, you know, and we're 
do this or we do that. I just, I just, I reckon it's opened my eyes to so many things from how to pose for a photograph, you know, even to do like things like podcasts, um, how to groom my dog better, how to feed my dog better about news. Like I can't get over how I can turn on TikTok and get some news and it hasn't even come through on my news feed yet. I remember learning the passing of Nelson Mandela and I remember seeing it, I think it was Facebook at the time. Like that's how breaking news comes to you now. It's through your social media feeds. Yeah. And I would say that of Twitter, but I just think circling back to what you were just saying, while you were kind of started by saying, oh, there's a lot of shame to it, but you know, I'm learning all of this stuff. Do you feel shame for to other people in your generation who may not get it? I think time's really precious and sometimes I wonder if it's the best use of my time. But I do think because we run a podcast and we do talk about, you know, relevant topics, I think TikTok does help me quite a bit with that, Um, keeping me up to date with what's going on and ideas and and what's trending. I think it's pretty important um, that way. First of all, when I used to tell people I spent that amount of time on TikTok, people used to shame me about it quite a lot. I mean, you remember when we did Williamson and I'd be telling people I was doing TikTok, they thought, what? Like, how could you do that? Like, watch all these dancing videos. And I was like, no, 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 you don't get it. And then I was saying to them, politicians are on TikTok. I'm watching politicians. It came with a a bad connotation. Not so much now. I think people are now getting it. Because I I follow a lot of politicians and, and I follow a lot of journalists on TikTok. Good and bad. Like, I actually... One of the things um, my sister said to me recently was, you've got to be careful because your algorithm can become so good that you're actually curating just in one direction and you're not getting yeah. a diversity. You've got to be really careful about that. And I was saying to her, no, I think I'm definitely getting a diversity because I'm hearing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing things that people are people they're trying to cancel you know but sometimes I want to hear what they have to say and then have a thought process around is that reasonable is that unreasonable is that are they dangerous in the messaging they're saying but I still want to hear the messaging so then if I do have a discussion about one of those topics I've heard it from both sides now and I can make up my own mind so I I do try to be really careful about that. Fiona I think you're an outlier in the sense that you want to see both sides a lot of people like to just be confirmed like exactly I'm right I'm right and I think it's a very dangerous space because it's really expanding the gap between beliefs yeah I just um like I've listened to Andrew Tate sometimes when it's come up I haven't just immediately scrolled I've stopped to listen to see what he's saying Jordan Peterson's another one you know that um that can be really polarizing. So I yeah. do, but it doesn't necessarily, I don't necessarily, I don't put a, you know, a like, you know, I don't press a like or something like that. And certainly mm. I don't always listen to it, but sometimes I do. So I notice that sort of stuff sometimes comes into my feed, which I think is quite a good thing because I have listened yeah. to it before. So I'm getting a, a, an, a, an idea of, I also, um, I often have a look at who owns the, um, the media um, site that I'm, listening to as well so you know try to get a a really good balance of who's owning these sites just so you're not getting all Murdoch or something like that so I am Mm. getting a better view of what's what's going on so I try to curate it myself quite a bit and I I recently I actually went through who I'm following and unfollowed and started following some different things again because I just thought no I don't need to hear any more of that I'll start looking 
you know, yeah, trying to be a refresh myself a bit. But I don't know how many people would actually do that. I don't know if a lot would, to be honest. (laughs) I don't think a lot would. Because the other day I was thinking, am I doom scrolling? And I'm, I'm actually not. I'm. I don't think I'm doom scrolling. I'm actually getting some news out of it and things like that. Mm. And I'm curating what I want to hear. So because I was also, I grew up as, um, we always get the newspaper delivered to our front lawn. And so I always used to make sure I got up before my dad so I could get the newspaper first because it was always my dad's paper. And then by the time he's got up, I've read the front two pages and I'd hand those to him because then he gets the front page and the back sports page. So he'd have maybe the first two or three pages. And then I would read the centre of the paper and then give it to him as I went to catch the bus to school. So I think that's still what I do. You know, I get up and I check my news every day. Yeah, I just really like to be kept informed. Do you feel both in your experiences that your algorithm feeds you things that overall you feel good after being part of the experience or how do you feel? I'm interested in your thoughts on this, Amelia, too. So let's make sure we circle back to that. But um, I think I have curated my Instagram feed at least to allow that. Like there's definitely accounts I won't follow which might be promoting diet culture or it, it drives me bonkers, I guess, because I am public health trained and um to have influencers peddling you know so much so much crap that's not evidence-based for health and well-being like really drives me insane so I don't have any of that on my feed at all um I mean I have a lot of dash and accounts that come up and all that Mm. kind of stuff and food and and clothing but I think Twitter is a little bit different for me and there will be accounts or things that happen on Twitter that sometimes I'll take a step back and go that was I feel I feel sad or I feel frustrated or I feel upset about some of what has happened and I do need to reflect on that but at the same time I don't want it to become for me too much of an echo chamber where I am only listening to the arguments I want but I am very conscious that social media just generally is a very different um I don't I don't want to sit there and think I'm getting balanced views across the board or mm. views that are representing all diversity because you know even if I think about Instagram what are the demographics of people on Instagram who are they representing you know like I they're often the unusual or culturally diverse voices aren't always there and, and so I've just I'm conscious of that sometimes but Amelia what do you do what like how do you feel after spending a time on Instagram this is one of the big reasons why I don't consume. I, I'm a largely a creator. Um, I, the only exception is obviously YouTube and you can see that with how much I've actually listened and spent on there. <laughs> but if I was to consume on my Instagram, a hundred percent, in terms of the algorithm of the people that I know, no, it wouldn't be a good experience because it is such a highlight. And especially at the moment in my life, everybody's getting married. Everyone's getting engaged. Everyone's Mm. having babies. Everybody's buying houses. And being at that, not crossroads, but being at that point in my life where I'm still in my 20s, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what I want out of life. And you're always always doing that. That doesn't change throughout life. But I think a lot of people are going down the road of the, and there's nothing wrong with this. I don't want to make people feel like I'm coming for them, but they're following the journey that society has sold them of this is what will make a good life and a happy life. Get married, 
buy the house, have the kids, totally fine. A lot of people have an incredible experience in that, but a lot of people, I don't have exposure within my personal social media feed of alternative options. The curated algorithm in something like YouTube, which I have a lot more control of because none of my friends are on YouTube. I do feel like it's a very positive place because I am learning so much and this a lot of really interesting perspectives, like interviews about different people's lives. I really love it. And I think that's why podcasts are quite popular as well. I find it really inspirational. I don't like, I, I love seeing people being at their best and doing what they do best. And, you know, I, I don't, it doesn't make me um, feel bad about myself or ashamed or I don't have any of those sorts of issues at all. Um, but I do find it very aspirational. Like I see people and I go, oh, you know, they're doing the, they're doing amazing things and, you know, and it, it inspires me that maybe I could be doing something like that. And, but I think that's just because I've, I'm not a lot on Instagrams and Facebooks and things like that or, or Twitter. So Dash, like, are you going to take up TikTok or are you going to give up Twitter I'm, or? I might take up TikTok. I don't know. It would only be something that I would do like in January when I have time off or something. Like I don't have the headspace at the moment. I don't want to give up Twitter because there's so much that is on there already and my followers and me following others. So I'm I'm just sitting and waiting and seeing and hoping that the pendulum will swing kind of back into the middle and things will kind of regulate or and be okay. But who knows? Who knows? How about you, Amelia? Amelia? I think I'm pretty happy with what I have at the moment. I very much aim to be a creator and not a consumer. And I think that's where you can gain a lot of value is creating because you do actually meet a lot of people. Some of my closest friends I've met through Instagram and various social media apps. It's Amelia here. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the XYZ Experiment podcast. And don't forget to leave a rating and a review. If you enjoyed our show, please share it with your family and friends. We would really appreciate that. And hit that subscribe button. Follow us on Instagram at the XYZ Experiment for all the latest updates and news and multiple fun facts because we love that. Our original music is composed and performed by Luke Champion. 